0: Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 91 and I'm your host as always, Elwood Jones. Joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor, Mr Stephen Palmer. Hello mate, how are you doing? I'm fine. And
1: yourself? Hot and sticky, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) The heatwave continues. It does.
0: And on tonight's episode we look at Mad Men with caramels as we check out Giants and Toys. But before we get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, I mean, obviously, since the last episode, we've um, continued our heatwave. I will apologise to anyone who hears any it's like whirring sounds in the background, but that is just purely the fans that we got going. So we just don't like collapse, and you hear this <laughs> noise as someone like passes out <laughs> their desk. Um, and I know other podcasts out there are spending their money on like alcohol and women and fast cars, but we're just investing it all in. Fans apparently.
1: For for the two weeks of the year that England's hot. But uh (laughs) We
0: bought more fans than this. (laughs) By the by the time
1: you hear this episode, we'll be moaning it's cold and raining again. But right the last couple of episodes have been a struggle for us both, I think. But uh yes. Yeah. I didn't realise women was an option. Or cars or anything like that. But I'm happy I'm happy with fans, to be honest with you.
0: As I always say to my assistant, it's like, is this a question I can answer yes to? Like, do I like fast cars, or do I like buffalo (laughs) wings? So, um, but no, what has been uh, holding your interest since the last episode?
1: Okay, so to start with, I did a little follow on something you spoke about a couple of episodes ago. I watched um, Ryan White's um, Assassins.
0: Oh, right, yes, a documentary about... Yeah, um,
1: the story about the two young ladies who let's say we're accused of uh, assassinating king jong nam the, uh, the half brother of um the leader of north korea um yeah really i i hadn't realized it, he you know uh, the Ryan white's quite the well-known documentarianism Docu- documentarianism documentarian that's right um he did the, he did the keepers didn't he on netflix which was one of those uh, Binge popular things. Um, yeah, really interesting. I'm um, quite dry, and you know, and if you're going to be hypercritical, it's all a bit one-sided. But um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it, and it um actually made me think. I was surprised it was that long ago. To me, it happened last year, but it didn't. And some poor people have spent quite a long time in prison. And what I found interesting was all the sort of stuff they couldn't really say about the sort of the politicking in the background between all these countries. Anyway, re- yeah. Entertaining, very um, and, and interesting, and I learned a lot. And I guess if a documentary you learn something, that's good, so that was good. Um, and then I've delved into a couple of my arrow box sets randomly again, you know me, I don't go it from first to last. Um, so from the Shaw Scope box set, I watched five Shaolin Masters from 1974. Um um her, who's it directed by I always forget. I think it's um, Chang Che that one. It is it is the great Chang Che. What I'm going to say is this is the worst film I've seen out of this box set in fact. It's getting to be one of the worst Shaw Brothers films I've ever seen. Oh wow. <laughs> not not worst is a is a terribly strong word. Um I just thought it was a bit boring. <laughs> And a bit routine. I thought the action was a bit mundane, bit slow. Um, You know, I could obviously tell there were people in this film that were really good at it, at martial arts, at it. You know, just the gym, (laughs) at martial arts. But there was also a lot of people who didn't know what they were doing, and probably for safety's reasons, I just felt it was all a bit cardboard, a bit fake, a bit acted. Um, It's obviously one of these. I say obviously, you know, it's one of these. um, movies that was made out in Taiwan so you've got you know potentially lots of lovely outside vistas and instead they film it all in fields and in in cuttings in forests it just I don't know it just felt the story itself is nothing I hadn't seen before there was nothing hugely um entertaining or unique about this one um yeah, I was disappointed. Looks fantastic in in Blu-ray. Can't can't go wrong there. It's probably way better than than most people have ever seen it before. But yeah, I was I was, I was hugely disappointed. Um, but that's only maybe because everything else I've watched out of that set has been so entertaining. You know, I really enjoyed Chinatown Kid and some of the others. And uh, we might talk about something else a bit later about it. So yeah. I, I assume you've seen it. That's the one with the uh, with the using like all the secret codes
0: to That's right, to, yeah. to the side. Yeah, I remember uh, that one. I f- think I remember. I think it was a very sort of passable experience. It's certainly not my least favorite film. In the set, which I would say surprisingly, Five Deadly Venoms, um, which I know has got a great sort of legacy behind it. It's like one of these highly esteemed movies, but. I thought that that one is more a mystery thriller than a good kung fu movie and certainly has some interesting facial hair work on display in that one, but... Um, I've got my my own thoughts to say on um, the supposed follow
1: up to that film. Um, okay, when we get there. When we get there in a minute, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it was meh. You know, I've given it a two out of five on Letterboxd. Oh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on it, but I just, there's been some films that have blown me away. Um, the other box set I went to have a look back to was my Gamera box set, which. Um, I am kinda of doing an order, so I looked at the second film in the series. So if you remember the the first film, I think it's called is it just called Gamera or Gamera the Mighty Monster or something like that. Is is, is a black and white film ten years after mm. um, the original Godzilla came out and it fundamentally quite a lot of the same film. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it and surprisingly so. Um so I think this is the first Gamera film in colour. Sorry, it's Gamera versus Barragon. Yes. Not to be confused with Barugan, I think, (laughs) Barugon, Um, which I think it's yeah, that's its first in color. Um, It's I see lots of criticism of this film, but people say it's too slow. There's too much melodrama. There's not enough monsters in it. There's a lot of standing around and military stuff and people talking. And I think haven't you seen every other kaiju film ever? (laughs) (laughs) They're all very similar, aren't they? I mean, there there are some exceptions to the rule, but I think if we looked at many godzilla films and other kaiju movies we 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 maybe not the same criticisms but that's part of the trope um there isn't a lot of gamma in this one and it does kind of it sort of of, it it follows on almost directly basically we thought gamma had been chucked off to some other planet in a rocket but turned out it got shot back she got shot back um and there's there's a whole sequence which is a little bit King Kong and a little bit Mothra where some guys steal an opal from a f from a um politically incorrect <laughs> island in... Oh an island of <laughs> what
0: brown faced actors.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although apparently they're originally gonna be topless. So it would have it would have been all kinds of bad, but yes, because I guess they'd have shoe shined up everybody. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's riffing on lots of, you know, that that kind of island thing that we've seen before and three fellas come from Japan. And also, it's got a really interesting concept of, of the geography of the world because they go to New Guinea, um, but there were the plan was to get rescued in Gibraltar, mm-hmm. which is like the other side of the world, but never mind. Um, that, that was just, I think they just liked the name Gibraltar. Um, anyway, they steal an opal from the island. Greed takes over people get killed um turns out that it's not an opal at all it's an egg of this creature and i know there's a lot of mythology around baragon that's been created later about maybe he was a prototype of what gamma is meant to be i.e some genetically engineered creature to protect us from invaders by the atlanteans anyway all forget about that it's a bloke in a crawling in a suit dressed as a lizard not a bad monster, but with the weirdest power set I, I've ever come <laughs> across. <laughs> i was wondering when we we're going to get to the powers. It's like, yeah. So, so Barragon is not just a giant lizard, and it's the suggestion is he's bigger than he should be. Um, he he has like this prehensile tongue with a bulbous end, so he can he can use it like a I don't know, like a monkey, a spider monkey could use it to do stuff. But it also can shoot out this freezing gas by which he um, disables Gamera for most of the movie Um, there's also this rainbow thing that comes out of his back Mm. Um, and I'm not really sure what that's about but but, but he has this weakness and again M. Night Shyamalan must be watching this movie thinking what did I do wrong because Barragan's weakness is water and basically they just they're going they just make it rain on him all day hmm. and i think isn't that what signs has criticized for the villain's being the bad oh, yeah, they're trying they to take water plants that water, the yeah. water. I, I i don't know however for all those criticisms all those tropes um, i think this film's got a bit of a bad rep I I didn't think it was half bad. You know, it's not as good as the original. It's not as good as those um, those reboots. You know, when like we looked at ISIS, didn't we? And and, and, the, and the films around that. It's not a patch on them. And I know the Gamma films as I go through them are going to get a lot worse. But I think this one's got a bad rep, and I think you could have a fun old time with it.
0: It's funny you say that the later ones are the better ones. When I think that I've never got on with um, Attack of Legion. Um, oh really? I I like Revenge Virus, but the earlier ones I always felt are the ones which had the charm, and certainly with uh, Barragon. There's a really good MST3K episode on this, where uh, they highlight that missiles hate rainbows.
1: Um, But yeah, I believe believe it's actually got two MST3K yet. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite well reviewed in those regards as a cult film and things like that. But I think if, if it's it, I don't know if it's the only film, but it's one of the films that's covered in two separate episodes, yes.
0: I know that they covered they covered quite a lot of them, and they covered a lot of the Godzilla ones as well. Mm. So uh, if you want an alternate track, I mean, those ones are, are fun to watch. But as a, as a film, it sells it perfectly fine. The poster is really uh, kind of interesting. It shows Gamera swinging, Baragon around by his tail. That doesn't happen in the film just uh just just disappoint your kids but
1: to be honest with you there isn't really an awful lot of gamma in it full stop and most of the time she's in her um ufo mode (laughs) bashing into rainbows as you say
0: um is this the one where he like comes down and then knocks the dam over Mm, probably, I think it's like this. He comes. He's like he crash lands back on Earth because his his gets oh, hit yes, by me
1: Yes, 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 it is. And yes. um,
0: he lands by a dam and then just knocks it over because he's just an absolute dick about <laughs> in this one. So, but um, no, I I've um, enjoyed this enjoyed this one um, immensely. I've I think a lot of the the gamma ones I enjoyed. It's just the later ones which. um it was just Legion I never got on with. Uh, the one that came before it, I want to say Guardian of the Universe is okay, and um, Revenge of Iris was good as well. Yeah, so.
1: yeah no, so the, the Guardian of the Universe, the Iris, and Attack of Legion are, are like those three reboots which... Have that kind of seventies, eighties look to it, which really suits the camera. For, and you know, we, I, we, I think we've already gushed over ISIS, haven't we? I think the original ones. There's obviously there's the Godzilla ripoff, and then there's these, there's series of them that just get more and more childish as they go on. I think that's that's the thing. <laughs> the other thing I'll say about this one. Um, there was another fun fact. It was released as a double feature with Digimon which is another film we've both surprisingly enjoyed. and um, But it was a flop. It was a flop, um, which is a shame. But uh, I'll, I'll look forward to watching the third film of the series. I will be watching the Gamera films in order. Just how many years it might take me to do so, don't I?
0: Yeah, I mean, he with Gamera, I mean, he obviously evolved into the friend of all children. Um, so he, as the films go on, he becomes more humane, much like the Godzilla movies you see... Whereas, they, with the Godzilla movies, they change the physical appearance of Godzilla, starting with, like, um, Attack of the... Eventually, the Astral Monsters, where he does, like, the Scottish jig on the moon, and then we see, like, Godzilla in some where has got sort of more Asian eyes. And they made all these little tweaks to make him more humane, and with Godzilla, he became the friend of all children, but the violence still remained, which made no sense whatsoever. So, as they go yeah. on, you'll probably find, like, children getting into like hijinks like they stumble into submarines or spacecrafts and encounter aliens and have to be bailed out by Gamera.
1: Now this this one is surprisingly child-free which is the only Gamera movie I've ever seen without a child and there may be others but I don't think so. It also includes an indigenous woman whose name is Karen. (laughs) island Karen <laughs> yeah she's meant to be from this island she's like the protector of it or something like that and she's called Karen because that's that's exotic <laughs> and what she does is just moans about people doing their everyday business <laughs> no she's very very lovely lady actually quite a famous actress as well um in in Japan but not that I can say who she is off the top of my head but yeah no i i enjoyed it i was i i was surprisingly enjoyed it because like i say that if you if you read reviews and stuff and it's always one that people have a bit of a go at but i liked what about yourself that's me what about yourself uh
0: for myself um first off i watched the documentary about vhs collecting adjust your tracking the untold story of vhs collecting uh, this is one of uh, about three different of uh, three different VHS collecting documentaries that are, are out there, and this one is as the title suggests, just purely focused on people collecting VHS, um, oh. which is something I can relate to. I would to sort of spend a great portion collecting VHS, and then it sort of like died the death. Because it just became all about people wanting to collect ex-rental tapes and not collect what they refer to as sell-throughs, which are basically your normal VHSs. But this is um, a documentary that looks at the weird and wonderful world of these collectors, uh, why they collect things, and how they choose to store the collectors. And... It's a really fun documentary, it's all pretty light and you can watch this knowing nothing about VHS collecting and still enjoy it. Uh, While it also has some fun footage from some of these more obscure VHS uh, titles that go for insane amounts of money despite them not being particularly great movies. Uh, There's also the usual oddballs including the guy who's built himself a video store in his uh, basement and is absolutely sure that VHS is on its way back. Well, hate to tell that guy, there's only one place in the world that makes VHS tapes, so I'm not sure they're exactly on their way back.
1: It's um, in 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 other worlds, I know there's people who are saying the same about cassette tapes. Uh, Same story, And, and and even worse, there's only like a Japanese, a Chinese company that make heads for um, tape players now and they're shite <laughs> it's, it's, there, are, there are some bands and stuff that, that put stuff out on these media um, not just cassette and video but things like mini discs and 8 track and things like that but no I'm sorry guys they're dead
0: <laughs> I think I've gone past that stage now where you want to like create the video store within your house you know, you want to have that collection where it's all like nicely out and you can impress someone. And then I realised no one ever comes here, so who am I impressing? Uh so I haven't recently just started scaling everything back and get rid of all the sort of um emptying the discs out of all the DVDs ad rather than sort of like phoning covers. I'm just like keeping my boutique labels, the arrows and you know, the Godzilla ones in their cases. so But um on a more Asian cinema slant, um, I watched Crippled Avengers from 1978, which was also released under the misleading title of Return of the Five Deadly Venoms. If you uh, haven't seen this one, Stephen, I highly recommend checking it out in your Scope collection. It's on the list. This one is absolutely fantastic and is also part of that crippled martial arts fighter era of... Um, that uh, had this brief uh, period, and this was sort of like one of the first films in it. It's again directed by Chang Che. And here a group of uh, martial artists are teamed together to uh, take on this uh, martial arts uh, master who's at the start um, we see he returns and he finds that his wife as... Um, had her legs cut off, and her son has lost his arms, and he vows revenge on the uh, ten tigers who are responsible for doing this. Giving his son metal arms, kind of like a man with a um, iron fist.
1: Yeah, I know. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, and he, they go out and they like get their revenge, and then he just becomes kind of a tyrant um going around and beating up and it's particularly crippling anyone who he feels has wronged him and his son's kind of a dick as well in the, this respect uh, this sees the return of all the venom mob um apart from the exception of wei pei who had actually left the shore brothers at this time and gone over to golden harvest with uh chan protégé john Wu, who at the time was making last arrive for chivalry and at the same time I mean Weipei wasn't really a sort of stand-up member of the venom mob so you don't really lose anything here and certainly while this movie is it, I don't know how it's going to sit with some people but I thought it was very kind of empowering the fact that you've got these martial arts masters who are all injured in various ways. one of them is um, made deaf and mute. Um, another is blinded, and um, another is kind of lobotomized, so he's turned into an idiot. And the by and another one loses his legs. And by coming together, that they're all able to form this like ultimate fighting force. So one helps the other, the guy who loses his leg gets some metal arms. The um, blind guy learns uh, sort of like hand braille, uh, while he's uh, guided around by the mute guy, so that all of them have come together to form this kick-ass fighting force as they uh, take on the bad guy called um, Two Tin Toe. And unfortunately, they refer to him <laughs> as Two. Um, so at the start, they say Two is out with One, as in <laughs> W-O-N. But to the English, it is One, as in the number, and it's like, oh, we're on a number of venture now. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you like this one, I mean, there are obviously other examples out there, like The Crippled Masters, Two Crippled Masters, Master of Cracked Fingers, and Crippled Kung Fu Boxer. Uh, Not to mention, as well, Chang Che's own uh, One-Armed Swordsman movies, which he made with Jimmy Wang Yu, uh, which are also worth checking out. But, no, this one's a lot of fun. It's got an element of Kung Fu weird to it, and at the same time, there's just some really awesome fight scenes. You see... What some of these uh, guys are like doing, and there's no like stuntmen, there's no like wire work at all. And in particular, Philip Kwok has this great scene where he's doing pretty much gymnastics with steel rings, and you see him like flipping in and out these rings, and it's just absolutely astounding to watch. It's just real uh candy for the brain. On the also on the Kung Fu Weird track, I looked at Roaring Fire from 1982, which is a movie that. I thought it was kind of meh when it started and by the end it had completely won me over as this is a movie that features a bikini stealing pet monkey, a random cameo by the wrestling legend that is Abdullah the Butcher and a group of ninjas chasing after our hero on a bicycle. This also is a movie that features Sonny Chiba as a ventricist magician called Mr. Magic. Uh, <laughs> the <Royal laughs> Fire is... It's it's uh Wonderfully unique movie, and uh, this is one of those movies that I think Will Slater, over Exploding Helicopter, like highlighted to me years ago because it also features a helicopter being taken out by a tomahawk. As God, <laughs> yeah, As his uh, as his podcast does love, <laughs> <laughs> he loves to of finding new and unique ways that fireball choppers explode. But this one's actually directed by uh, Nofumi Suzuki, who's um, probably best known as a. Uh, as a contributor to the pinky violence genre. Um, and he also did old 10 films in the Truck Rascals series as well. But, uh, here he teams up with uh, Sonny Chiba's protege, uh, Hiroyuki Sonada, who, while on the. I'm not sure if it's a name that sort of resonates with yourself there, Stephen.
1: No, but you're probably going to say something and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, not only does he have an honorary MBA, uh, MBE for um, his contributions to. Bringing British culture to Japan because he did a stint um, doing King Lear with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Okay. No, not bringing in you? No. Right? Okay. No. Well, he's in The Ring. He's in Rush Hour Free. He's in Sunshine. Okay. I know who you mean now. Yes. He's in
1: 47 Ronin and the yes. Speed Racer. He's in. Um he's in um avengers endgame or whatever it is as well he is <laughs> in Avengers game that is correct <laughs> yes no sorry he, and he's tv he's in um oh, it's one of those web tv series about a virus out in um out in the ice somewhere yes no he's incredible he's one of those he is the go-to Japanese guy in Western films that really is Japanese. He's in Mortal Kombat.
0: He is. He's Scorpion.
1: Yes. So there you go. Yeah, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Missed the name. Of course I know who he is. <laughs> so... You knew that was going to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he was actually a member of Chiba's Japan Action Club, which okay. let's not also forget that uh, Etsuko um, Shihomi, who was the leading Sister Street Fighter, was also a member of. Gotcha. No, this is, as I said, this is a movie which opens with his twin brother being gunned down by a group of triads who have got the same sort of over-the-kill zeal that we saw in the first two Robocop movies. Mm-hmm. And this in turn, like, leads these two to him where he's living in America and it turns out he was kidnapped as a baby. He's been ridden, re- raised in um, America by the guy who kidnapped him. And he returns to Japan to reunite with his family only to find that his uncle's evil and is rolling a drug smuggling ring with the triads which he's then forced to break up this is a movie that just goes absolutely bonkers after the first 30 minutes we've got weird bicycle chases we've got nazis we've got as i said weird wrestler cameos we've got um a end sequence where he seems to be running towards actual explosions um that happening in the desert this is just a really fantastic movie which has got that real sort of jackie chan style comedy elements to it at the same time loads of like the kung fu weird elements into it as it just constantly just throws ideas at the screen and just like sees what will uh what will stick but this is one definitely worth sticking with and it's even got like a dare I say Macbeth, uh, homage to his, as uh, Sonny Chiba's character reveals that the uncle is evil through his um, Venturacris act, that the gangsters get so upset about, they go into his dressing room and threaten the dummy. (laughs) Uh, Including the great line, Stupid dummy!
1: (laughs) You, you. To be fair, you you have linked me up with a copy of this on YouTube. I think yes, there's um, a I haven't had a out chance copy to on watch there, it, so. but yeah, not um. You hadn't given me the full context. <laughs>
0: I didn't. This is the, I didn't want to like ruin M, like, everything that happens in this one. I just tried to give you the vaguest sense of uh, what happens in it. But just it's one that's like the Battle Wizard. It's mm. not great, but it's just so wonderfully random.
1: Yeah, and it It wins you over with that fact
0: alone.
1: Yeah, sometimes that's the um, that's the thing you have to you have to accept that um, it things aren't going to make a whole lot of sense. That things are done on a bit of a budget. That that you might miss out on some stuff culturally. But at the end of the day, did you have fun watching it?
0: so uh yeah that's a, a recommendation myself my big recommendation though at this period is that you go out now and watch everything everywhere all at once
1: and i still haven't finished it haven't you if finished I... it well i got a bit distracted i want to start it again but okay I want, I want to be in the right yeah i could see it was going i've watched about the first half an hour and i really enjoyed it i got reasons personal reasons i wasn't able to finish it and i just haven't been able to go back so i'm going to put in two hours that i'm not going to fall asleep or something like that because it just looks so good and you're going to tell me it is really good fantastic
0: it's it's really really fantastic um this is a film which for myself has truly lived up to the hype um this is uh this is also frustrating a film which has not got a physical release it's only got a digital release over here in the uk so you can buy it as a, or rent it through amazon but frustrating it's not on sky movies where i've got all my other digital purchases so now i'm gonna have a bunch of purchases digital on amazon i'm gonna have a bunch on sky and it's like what, what the hell people if you're gonna do it digitally release it everywhere just don't do this we're gonna Release it in some places digital and other places we're not. I mean, I don't even understand why it's not getting a physical release.
1: Well, I, I yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it was given a weird delayed re- release at the cinema for us, wasn't it? Yes, it and then, was. And then moved to, um, streaming vi- bot, VOD. Do we still say VOD? Is that still a thing? Um, quite quickly. Um, but everyone I know that's seen it's loved it and i can't believe they wouldn't want to um you know it, it's got that kind of cult appeal but also has had some mainstream success so I, i'll be surprised but you never know these days do you? there'll probably be some bizarre um licensing reason or something like that that we're unaware of um but no michelle michelle
0: you're always on her usual fantastic form. Here she gets also to play against Jamie Lee Curtis. So you get Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis in the same movie, which, again, not for a reason to go and watch anything. But uh, here she's joined by Ki-Hu Kwan, who's probably best known as Short Round from Indiana Jones, and who has spent the last, well, the best part of his career as a martial arts choreographer for films like The One, which is probably the closest uh, comparison I can draw to this movie as... Uh, Michelle Yo plays a, a woman who works in a laundrette with her husband and finds out that she can tap in to the other versions of herself in the different multiverses, um, acquiring their skills as she finds herself being hunted by an evil force that also takes the form of her daughter, um, here played by Stephanie Hasu, um, who was in uh, Shang-Chi, and a bunch of other things that I don't think anyone watched. <laughs> i'm who looking at i'm looking at her she listings
1: in oh, you're gonna
0: make me look these things up now aren't you i'm quite capable of, i'm quite capable
1: I'll, I'll, I'll accept that she was there i didn't recognize her um but then maybe i would i haven't watched she Shang-Chi played again sue a okay
0: happy now i'm delighted um, James Hong is also in this. Putting in these, of his, course, of course he is. Putting in these, putting these. Nine millionth credit to date.
1: I think, I think there is a law that he has to be in every American film that has a Chinese person in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I just think, I just think. I mean, how, he must be like ninety now or something. There was a wonderful. Um, these are not original thoughts by me. I think it was on the BBC website in or around Christmas time. Where they said this is this man's been in. There was a was sort of a, 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 a sort of article about him. Sort of saying this man's been in just about every film you've ever seen, but you won't know who he is. That kind of deal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was I think born in 1929. So, he, so he's 90, 97? No, 92, 93. Yeah, he's um, but he's wonderful and just like a favourite uncle or something isn't he when he turns up in he is
0: and it's surprising like where he's turned up I mean he's in Blade Runner he's mm-hmm. in Chinatown mm-hmm. he's in Seeing Red he's in Wayne's World 2 there is no limit to what he will turn it's up not, when he's it's not just
1: in... Big Trouble in Little China is it it's like loads of films he's in that um, uh the, the Jason Statham film Safe You know, the one with the little girl who's the mathematician genius? He's in that. He's just up and down. He's in everything.
0: He plays Ogata in Godzilla King of the Monsters.
1: Does he really?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he's in a lot of Kung Fu Panda movies.
1: Mm, He is, yes.
0: You think of how long it took him to get his Hollywood star as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was only daniel Day kim i think um from hawaii 50 and lost yeah who really sort of fought for him to be recognized for like his contributions to all cinema um,
1: absolutely yeah
0: but no that's a it's a staggering filmography it is so um i think only crystal walken turns up in more interesting places than he does
1: and I think that would be, yeah, that would be up for debate. But, but for sure, yes, he plays <laughs> he plays um, Michelle Yeoh's father, doesn't he? In this,
0: yes, he does. Um, Christopher Walken, interestingly, also has the same approach to script reading that Michael Gambon does, where he just reads the character parts he's been assigned. He never reads the rest of the script, <laughs> leading to wonderful moments as Michael Gambon was in got uh, I think it was in Gatford Place, where he was making eyes at Judy Dench because he was convinced his character was in love with her. <laughs> during a dinner party scene, which had nothing
1: to do with the screen, <laughs> <laughs> just made up his so own little backstory.
0: <laughs> but uh, yes, it's definitely worth uh, hunting down if uh, you haven't seen it already. Visually, it's just absolutely fantastic. The action is all fantastic as well, and the fact that you've got Michelle Yeoh and queer Hu Kwan both doing their own stunt choreography. And it was interesting when they were like talking about. There was an article about it, and it was all sort of like, Oh, Michelle Yo is like, no stranger to action choreography, having done Super Cop and Silver Hawk. And I was like, Of all that filmography, why <laughs> Silver Hawk? <laughs> yeah, that is
1: kind of. <coughs> How bizarre. It's, um... That's somebody who, who just Googled was writing <laughs> the article, I think.
0: <laughs> it's like, Not Yes, Madam, not Magnificent Warriors. It's like, No, this is, Silver Hawk is the one, Uh, but she actually listed this as uh, one of her favourite movies along with Heroic Trio, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, also getting its uh, Criterion release soon, if it hasn't already.
1: Oh, really? Interesting. I wonder if we'll get that or not. I would assume so
0: I think it's now a lot of the Criterion releases they come across mm. to us unless they're like picked up by someone else but we're having a discussion as well on the Facebook page of like, what film do you think deserved a Criterion release and it just brought to mind the fact that they need to do a Penguin's Memories and th- <laughs> this is only to stop it becoming a piece of lost media because at the moment it's available on YouTube but no one really knows who owns it um, and I think it it's just interesting enough to deserve that level of presentation. I mean, we've preserved all the Coen Brothers movies. Every movie Wes Anson's made on the Criterion level, we can have one Deer Hunter with Penguins movie.
1: Yes, I, I, well, I mean, you know, that's, that's this show's hidden gem. That's... <laughs> <laughs> if if any of our friends at any of the film distribution and DVD and Blu-ray distribution companies that we know... Want to want to save penguins' memories and go and find out who owns the rights to it? Please do.
0: Um, and Cure is also getting the Criterion release.
1: Cure, the, yes, the the uh, Kurosawa movie. The one we watched on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Kurosawa movie. Um, that's interesting because it's already on Arrow so that's really interesting um i was just looking up on it um the heroic, it's not it's not just heroic trio who's getting a criteria release those so executioners so i don't think it i think they're two separate releases but yeah um can't wait i'd say it's... heroic trio is more worth more than
0: executioners executioners is more a, a anita marine movie mm. But I think in Heroic Trail, they all get the moment to shine. And I still keep hoping that, you know, whenever I see like a Michelle Yo movie, I keep hoping that uh, Maggie Chung might just make an appearance somewhere. And I keep <laughs> like looking, like Googling, and it's still like Michelle yo or Maggie Chung, just to see if they had like some argument. And when she's talked about Heroic Trail, she's still like, oh, this is a movie where I'm made with three beautiful women, one included myself. And I was like, well, nice to be modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely, it doesn't seem there's any Bad blood there, but obviously Maggie Chung is retired. She's off. I think she's doing soundtracks. At, last time I checked, so mm,
1: yeah, sad, 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 sad.
0: <sighs> but yes, that's my big recommendation for the moment. that you going go check out Everything Everywhere all at once. I think it's um, is it A27 or 24? A- A24? A24. It's one of their few releases that I've been excited for because they're kind of like. The artsy version
1: of the Bloom House. Mm. It is. That's exactly what it is. Um, I think it's been their most successful film, if I if I remember rightly. <laughs> Despite them
0: screwing the distribution up.
1: Yeah. Um, and now you've um you've sent me down a bloody Google rabbit hole. Have I? <laughs> well, I've just uh, just had a look, um, someone has been displaying some screen captures from the f- what you hadn't said is that the hero Tree is a 4K restoration, right? I've only ever seen it on some dodgy download that came from almost definitely a VHS tape, right? Right. It looks fucking amazing. <laughs> 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 I am so going to be getting that.
0: And then I look at the price of the credit and it's like, uh, maybe not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, that's the only
0: thing that puts me off, and we don't obviously Criterion's not the same as it over, over for our friends in the states who obviously have like the Barnes and Noble sale. Mm. Um, we don't really have a Criterion sale, or if we do, it's not heavily publicized that they're having a sale. No, um,
1: and I think, like you say, quite a lot of Criterion stuff gets out through Eureka and Masters of Cinema. So, so sometimes the rights it's a bit complicated, but. And the only place I ever see Criterion's in the UK are in HMV. Um, oh really? I need to get out to HMV clearly. because I think, and they have little cardboard sleeves and stuff on as well. Yeah, no. The, now there are whole sections, In the HMVs I've been to recently in the sort of roundabout the south of England, there's the, there are now sections for Arrow, for, for Criterion, for um, Terracotta, for eighty-eight films. I love our, that. Our, our, our hobby is a thing it's not just there's some world cinema no places um that exists as well but because these you know because these um labels don't just do absolutely don't just do asian films they do films from all over the world including american films and stuff like that but yes they have special sections which are based around the label not what sort of film it is when it was released, that kind of thing so it's really cool but yeah definitely definitely in h m v in in bath in reading and and in um i went to one in london recently definitely sections there that uh you can stop getting tempted by everything else and just concentrate <laughs> on what you want
0: <laughs> of course um Little podcast news out there. I mean, we're obviously recording this a little earlier in the year than it's going to be coming out because we're recording this uh, at the end of July. Um, and Third Window Films podcast have uh, just recorded an episode with Jerry, Joey of uh, Terracotta, which is a real meeting of the minds, seeing uh, the head of Third Window Films talking with the head of Terracotta.
1: Oh, Jerry Terracotta. as the, as the Yeah. I, I always imagine they're like the Ramones and they're all called Terracotta. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so you can uh, obviously go and check that out. Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery have also launched the Video Archives podcast uh, where they're going through the VHS um, tapes of the Video Archive where both of them worked before they became like directors which is a really interesting podcast the first episode is on dark star and cocaine cowboys and there's also a bonus episode on women in cages as well so three episodes right off the bat really fantastic um picks to to look at and i think certainly when it came to cocaine cowboys tarantino explaining the history behind cocaine cowboys made it a lot more interesting than when i watched it where it just felt like a very middle of the road movie from one of uh andy warhol's following mm. Um, but uh, no, if you want to listen to Roger Avery and uh, Quentin Tarantino talk about old movies, then uh, definitely check out Video Archive's podcast as well. Uh, hopefully they get some kung fu, some amazing cinema on there as well it's, uh, it's a real mixed bag of stuff they're going to be looking at So, Anything else you want to bring up, Stephen?
1: No, I think that's it other than you've just made me go and have a look at websites that I will cost me money <laughs> seems to be a
0: running fiend the last episode of the two I' just keep costing you money for things you do
1: you do i'm, run, I'm running i'm running this um i'm running we're we're running this podcast at a loss big time, but it's fine because it's because you know we've both been watching these kinds of films for years you know and we've been, we sometimes uh you know we are relying on v h s cassettes we're relying on dodgy downloads from long defunct web servers we're relying on crappy copies that have been uploaded to amazon um again well the film we're going to talk about tonight you know i'd never dreamed in a million years that that would get a blu-ray release um so we live in good times, sir i just wish it was all a bit cheaper true and i and that i had the um i had the balls to sometimes not buy it right away and let it reducing price quite severely. It's the fear; yeah. it's going to
0: disappear, isn't it? It's 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 it's
1: it's FOMO, isn't it? It's the fear of missing out.
0: Um, you look at the Battlestar Honor and Humanity set when that sold through,
1: mm.
0: like the original box set, and then they were just stupid prices. The same with Fumo Prison Scorpion, and then thankfully they re-released them. Um, yeah. and they did them as separate releases as well, which was great because then you can flip the bird to all the traders. Indeed, I
1: mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I got. Oh, yeah, I got my my female prisoner scorpion was like one of the last ones we found in the um, in the warehouse. You can still get them, and um, and I got the battles of, um, of honor and humanity, or whatever it's called. I got that, I got that quite cheap, but it would have cost me a lot more. I mean, I waited, I waited and waited and waited on the Godzilla when I got fifty quid off that, but it's still a hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's a. I've, I've bought cars that cost less than some of the box sets I've bought. and Oh, God. I don't, I don't want to think about it. But, yeah, that's the, it's fine. It's really good. And it does seem to be there's a Johnny Toe thing going on. There's there like- is a
0: real, uh, re- real revival in the interest in his work, especially. I know the BFI just recently uh, put out an article like doing one of their um, best places to start with Johnny Toe movies, which is always interesting. I love the fact as well they did it after Japanese cyberpunk. It's all like we've covered. Everything else. Oh, let's do *Johnny Toe now.
1: Yeah, I haven't read that article yet, but I suspect I know what it, it's going to concentrate on. Is crime thrillers? They said not to
0: watch *Hero Trio*, which is nonsense. So. Uh, well, it's only one person at the BFI. Doesn't it's matter. Just one person running the whole of the BFI, Stephen. No,
1: no, that wrote the article. I don't think everybody connected to all the members. around It's like the Wizard of Oz, is it? Got, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't think they all got together and said, "Let that shit on heroic trio." <laughs> just one particular person who didn't like it. I, we, we, I know two people who like it. Therefore, we win. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, on that note, let's fire up the projector and time to get on tonight's feature presentation as we look at Giants and Toys from 1958. So Giants and Toys, uh, directed by Yasu Mesimura, um, as we said, released in 1958. It is is Mad Men with Camels in the confectionery um, as a trio of rival confectionery companies vie to battle for dominance over the confectionery market um, two executives of uh, world believe in that they've got the winning hand when they find a young girl to turn into the face of the company um, all the while their rivals finding ever more congenious ways to try and draw ahead of their competition um, Giants and Toys is a movie that I was highlighted to by Steven. I think you included it in the second set of 50 for our mm. ongoing list of uh, top Asian cinema. And this was a film which I saw Hitomi Nozo, who uh, here plays uh, Kyoko, um, on the cover of, and she's got the old 1950s sort of space bubble spell, space helmet. Mm. And I was like, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Because I'm the sort of person who can be sold on just like an image or a hook like that, and yeah, this is this is really really good. I'm not it gonna am not gonna it. tease this one out. This is <laughs> really good.
1: I'm so glad because I first saw it. I, like I say, you know, I, I uh, it was one of those films I just downloaded from dodgy website and <laughs> and at the time. It's dodgy because of that we've talked about it before yellow cinema haven't we we've both we have we were, have. Both there. We were both back in there. the uh in, the, in the darker
0: day. days of uh when you being an Asian cinema fan when you had to like get creative to import certain things
1: but even then most of the films that you were getting you know you could get you know we, there were many routes that we could get things from um various sort of the early days of of web commerce was going on and you could import stuff from various places before you... it
0: was millennials whining about how much they hate their parents yeah it used to be a
1: good place the internet. It, it did but you know your credit card was open <laughs> and I, several times i got um i used to get like korean special editions and twice my credit card got hacked um <laughs> but the point is most of the things that we'd be getting would be in the cult air you know, cult horror or martial arts yeah. or kaiju films. Um that that's you know, that's not beat around the bush. Quite a lot of them were pornos or at very least pinky type movies, you know, that, that so to find this, which is from nineteen fifty eight but looks like it's from the sixties, I hope you'd agree. This drama that's played out at this breakneck speed—it ne- never pauses for breath—as giants and toys, and and just it's just a film that always stuck with me. And then when it mysteriously, well, to my mind, got this 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 sort of UK release from—it's not Arrow, is it? Yeah, it's Arrow. Yeah, it's Arrow. because they Arrow. Really would well because they were trying to um but they're not trying to do anything they're, they 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 they've definitely interested in opening up people's mind to the director Yazutso masamura as you say um and they've done a bunch of his films which i've gobbled up so blind beast giants and toys erizumi which is fantastic um black um black test car which has also got another film on it as well. The one I haven't got yet is Red Angel, but I'm on the website now. (laughs) Um, So so I've become a huge fan of his movies, uh, but also there's this, it's also sort of an example of this kind of sub-genre of movies. Um, I talked about it when we talked about Black Test Car, of these sort of business movies. You know, these movies set in the post-war era set amongst businesses done in a highly dramatic style but that are also incredibly satirical and and incredibly um critical of what japan became after world war ii in the sense it became like a miracle on steroids you know you compared this film to mad men right but it's like mad men on steroids and <laughs> and and and, and, and Compressed into like less than two hours, and you know going back like I I just didn't even know these kind of films existed. No, we we oh we know we know about you know, Akira Kurosawa films and things like that. Yeah, Ran and and the like uh, the that they would get shown the art house stuff, the things that accuse me of being. But this this lives in some kind of proto new wave movement I don't know I just you just don't see a lot of films like this um certainly not foreign films and it's it's just got so much it's funny and it's got I don't know I, I think it even talks to consumerism and capitalism today not just what it was like in 1958 Japan um I, I, I'm pretty sure you all have seen things like saying yeah I, I see what that's criticizing and and it's, it's valid today so yeah and I'm delighted you liked it so there we go. The gush has started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is obviously a film which looks at this new world, sort of like a post world, um, post war corporate world, uh, where you've, everything's about cutthroat competitiveness. And in particular, you've got these three corporations you've got World and the rivals over at Giant and Apollo. Uh, all three of them are vying for their piece of the market. And in the background, you can see the little flow charts as they're tracking each other's progress. Including, I love that the end of the uh, tape it just shows them all downward spirals. So it looks like the market's bottomed out for all of them, but I'm assuming they're just updating it as they go. I think
1: they've just got a year's worth of tape, haven't they? And it's different, but it does look like every every time you see it, it, looks like it looks like the bottom's falling out the market. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, this is. Um, a world where as I say it's very much like Mad Men you've got a lot of executive types sitting around in boards uh, rooms and smoking and drinking scotch and arguing over the best way that they're going to sell their product in particular all of them are looking for a hook because that's what candy sales rely on is all about the hook and when it comes to when it comes to world that they believe that this um, working-class girl called Kyoko who's kind of naive she works as um looks after a younger sibling
1: she works, she works a at a taxi stand. yeah she, she answers the phone at a taxi firm um she?
0: and she's got this real sort of bubbly sort of childlike view to the world and at the same time she's got really bad teeth which <laughs> well, apparently this... is very marketable
1: <laughs> well i mean obviously this, this is where the satire comes in i mean she's the least japanese person female wise that you would have ever found in nineteen fifty eight Tokyo. She's um she's tomboyish, she's loud, she's brash, she's rude, um yeah, she's not unattractive, but her teeth are like British. <laughs> and, and you know, and they what well, they, they sort of they they turn her into this this phenomenon before but with the aim that eventually she's gonna be their spokesmodel for um for for world caramels as they say um but yeah she, she's just r- wonderfully against type it'd be the last person they'd have chosen but again it's kind of saying but in america they would have done this there's a lot of that going on but she's delightful and she's not as stupid as they like to think she is and not as manipulatable but then she also also gets corrupted as everybody else does in this film but yeah what do what do the other ones do one of them I think offers to pay for a child's life, sort of from cradle to college or something Uh, like that. uh, Yeah,
0: Apollo um, will give you a gilded life, so from cradle to. Marriage that they will they will subsidize your life. Uh, giant are uh, doing are giving away animals, and I thought this is toys. Oh, but that's no that's right, real real animals. They're yeah, away real animals, as we see their their mascot, who's an actual giant. Um, certainly in Japanese terms. Yeah. Um, he's got a little little monkey on a on a uh, little chain there that he carries around with him and it's not just uh monkeys but they're also offering squirrels and mice that's right a squirrel something you can find
1: in the park they're going to give you as a pet (laughs) yes and and world obviously she's she's the spokesperson for you know they say look what's the big thing is space so it's lots of little like those 1950s ray guns and space related ephemera that make loads of noise and lights and sparkles you know those kind of toys which are really collectible on eBay that's that that's where they're going for because we're talking 1958 we're talking Sputnik we're talking the space race is about to start we're talking Astro Boy we're talking lots of th- you know this I don't think it feels like a terrible thing I didn't have the urge to get any caramels while this was all going on but uh, <laughs> none of them seem to emphasize the fact that they've got a chewy chocolate treat <laughs>
0: um, but uh, with uh, the film mainly follows these uh, two guys who are sort of responsible for handling the campaign we've got Goda who uh, discovers uh, Kyoko and he's a, he's a guy who's sort of hungry to move up he wants to get to the boardroom level uh, but at the same time it's like proving extremely detrimental to his health so he's kind of like a pill popper, he's seen throughout the film, he's taking uppers and downers and all sorts of uh, various things to keep his stress levels down and to keep himself ticking along and he's got um, his little assistant um, is uh, called Nishi, um, who he convinces Kyoko that uh, he's madly in love with her but he's too shy to admit it, but he's actually involved with one of the um, Executive so for Apollo.
1: Yes, that bitch. <laughs> yes, I mean it. It is a three-hander, isn't it? This is there are three people. That's the other thing about this movie. It's not just about one person. There are three distinct storylines about those three individuals going. You know, the the go-getter corporate guy that's that's trying to succeed. That's Nishi, who's a bit of a. A bit naive about how the world works i think the suggestion is he's fresh out of university or something like that and then obviously we've got our our, our um our girl who's a model who has no actual skills whatsoever other than her personality yeah like I, thought, I thought that was kind of interesting because a lot of these films you know you, you'd concentrate on one but each all three of them have an arc
0: um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, obviously we have these these three characters who form the main arc, and we also have like cutaways to these various other people who are involved in the, in the campaigns at various levels. We've got um, the sales reps who like consider themselves like being on the front line and refers to... Goda and uh, Anishi as being like the artillery. It's sort of like, oh I'm out there and I'm carving the line and I need you to be like providing the artillery to it. We also have a real sleazy photographer as well who's pretty much embodiment to so many of the photographers I've seen over the year where he's a nutbag but he's very good at his job.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, he's a sleazebag. Well he talks and acts like he's a sleaze bag. I do wonder sometimes if he's just all well. I was going to say all talk and no trousers, but he does spend quite a lot of the film without any trousers on, just in his dressing gown. Um, so I don't know if some of the things he says he does, he really does, um, and whether this is just his thing. But yeah, he's sleazy. <laughs> uh, but he's
0: like he's talking. He's talking to um, Kyoko, and he's doing this photo shoot with her, and he's sort of like, "Oh, you want to go to?" A- sumo wrestling match I once went to a sumo wrestling match and he lost his loincloth, saw everything and he's like he's, she's like giggling away and he's like snapping the photos and he's like oh this is what he wants and it's sort of like you're a very unconventional way of working my friend <laughs> um, not to mention the fact that he, he hates everyone um, and they 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 bring her to this um, initial photo shoot but you would think that she's being kidnapped the way they bundle her into the car Yeah. Um, And she also, when we go to the taxi rank where she's working and you've got a guy washing himself with the hose out the front uh, because of that kind of operation.
1: Mm, Yeah. And she's got um, four pet tadpoles. She does. Which obviously are thematic that she's going from tadpole to frog, although oh, that's no a sense. weird th- that's a weird thing to go to, but yes that she's completely transformed they don't survive the film
0: <laughs> No, because as each one passes away, it forms her more transfer- transferring mm. herself from being this sort of like, naive little girl um, who's... Fr- so yeah, with the tadpoles, I mean as each one dies, it sort of takes <laughs> her more and more away from this like, girl who's initially really she's she's overwhelmed and I don't know if she's so overwhelmed but she's easily charmed by the fact that when she has her first uh, modelling check that she's like, I'm going to go and buy crackers and as each mm. of these tapos dies she becomes a bigger star and she becomes more of a, a diva as they she, struggle she, to keep control of her.
1: Yeah, she, I mean there's the, the sort of two ways you can read it. One is that she gets more and more corrupt. I mean she's getting a lot of money. I did a bit of trying to work out how much all these hundreds of thousands of yen were worth even today it's a lot of money and then back then it was a lot more but there's also a sort of an aspect that she she's been she's manipulated quite a lot but then is at some point she taking control the the only if i've got a criticism of the film it's that she never really has a downfall she just gets more... oh my god I've just remembered there is a really inappropriate song and dance number she does isn't there that <laughs> <laughs> a reason I thought it might not get a dvd release is that uh yeah they do they did like a, a minstrelesque um girl from the south seas number didn't they <laughs> but yes she doesn't she doesn't really have a downfall um she's not fully corrupted which she becomes utterly uncontrollable
0: but i never really saw it as being like waiting for her downfall i just saw it's more of the fact that with with uh with these two guys and losing control of their their staff I always mm. felt that that was going to be more the story here that as you see she becomes they think they've got her under control really because they say you know you can take other modeling jobs but the only product you can promote is world uh caramels and they think, oh, we've got her under control, and they have her do all these sort of appearances, but as her star's sort of, like, rising, people are sort of, like, charmed by this working-class girl. Her star rises, and they realise that they don't have control of it, and it boils down to the fact that, at the end, she's there basically trying to confess his love to her, just so he can, like, regain some sort of control of her, only to sort of ultimately end up having to take her place.
1: Well, Um, and she, yeah, because... She basically says to them, "Look, I know what my contract says. I've got to do this, but nothing says that I've got to hand out sweets at a fair. I'm, you I'll, I'll do radio plays and modelling for you and all these other things. But I won't. I'm not a, I'm not a sales girl. And at that moment, she's beaten them because the corporate world and its contracts and all that. They, they just hadn't realised what the monster they'd cra- monsters a bit of a strong word, but." They've created her, and now she's now she's free. And as you say, that kind of leads the other two to uh, their downfall. Um, but
0: yeah, I found this is just a really it's a really interesting film visually. It's, fa- it's absolutely fantastic to look mm. at, especially as it features a lot of that sort of sort of uh, poopy sci-fi era. So it's all very like Buck Rogers or B-movie esque. And as you we said, we've got bubble space helmets and ray guns and.
1: And we've got and we've got other stuff like that they do like with um you know these guys are all working at the top of skyscrapers and they're looking out over Tokyo and everyone's like an ant and they say look we are we're in control of all these people they're little more than dogs we can through our marketing and our products we can control all these people and and they're physically miles above them and and obviously when it ends they're down amongst them in at the lowest time but yes it's such a a well-made film it's not just the satire in the script and in the acting but it's like beautiful to look at it's um you know without being flashy or ostentatious and it's every shot means something there's a power display going on or something like that it's just just a fantastic movie <laughs> and uh i'm so happy you like it as well
0: oh yeah there's so many like grammars and like when you look at uh, his lighter that never works but every time it starts clicking it's almost it like does these like um blurs so it's uh you're seeing what's happening in the world around them yeah so it's circles. almost like a morse code signal that's being sent out the clicks of this lighter and whenever he starts trying to lighten film with it Everyone in the room seems to gather around it. Like, mm, they've never a seen the lighter aflame. before.
1: Yeah, you know. That's, what is it, the old, uh, the, the, the film writer's it's elite motif is it? yeah. his and, lighter.
0: And we see like these wonderful shots of industry, which is something I always really like, which again, I've probably linked to my grandfather. I mean, he was an industrial engineer and he did a lot of work at the Power Hall at the Great Manchester Museum of uh, Science and Industry. So like all the big steam engines and things, he's was responsible for the team that built all those. So anytime we have like shots of industry, we see machines working in gears and process. Um, it's always really interesting to my, myself. And so when you have like the scene, when one of their rivals, um, factories burns down and they realise that it's a two-horse race and as one of them puts it it's sort of like if there's three horses eating the hay and one of them falls ill, more hay for
1: the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, and and that that sets up one of the one of the issues the film is talking about. It's sort of the the the, the old guy that runs world caramels the is he not the father-in-law of of one of the leads anyway he starts saying hang on a minute this isn't the Japanese way this isn't the way of Bushido he talks about you know you don't you don't, um, you don't pounce on a crippled opponent that's not very Japanese and everyone else goes no 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 as you say Crush them while they're down, <laughs> and then there's more for us and um, Apollo. Oh uh, no, Apollo! I think's the one is that. Um,
0: Apollo's the one whose factory burns who down. Burns it's down a head. giant that. Um... G-
1: giant and what more for giant and world? But that's a really big st- statement because that is that that feels that that's impolite. That's not the way that business maybe has run before. Then and yeah, they're are sort of commenting on this sort of Americanise. They're always talking about what it's like in America, aren't they? And and remember, you know, the Americans have been there since 1945, I guess. I can't remember when they left. But, you know, the American culture has permeated and mutated Japanese culture. And, oh, there's just so much. And you can just watch this and you can just watch it and be entertained and you can watch it with, like, a socio-historical yeah. hat on and, and and there's just so much to enjoy. And it's just, it's the pace of it. I don't think there's a moment where it sort of slows down no and I think love as well the fact that
0: anytime anything happens it's not like we have moments of filler it's just constantly following about people reacting to this ever-changing situation and as you mentioned already when one of the board members like disagrees with how they're conducting their practice and you see that moment when um kyoto's uh, basically he see he moves the old man to his side because he has like a coffin fit and you see him move his side and he's like finally my chance to get my feet under the table at the board it's sort of like there's an opening here mm-hmm. um and it's these little moments where people like reacting It's sort of like, oh, we've got to send out our salespeople to we've got to start worrying all the uh, the right buyers and stuff. So you see them all and they're like herding in the geisha girls to charm them all. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It's like mass charm offensive. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely one worth watching. The fact it's on Arrow Player makes gives you even more of a reason to sort of check it out. because It's easily to uh, it's readily available. But um, I'm glad that Darrow actually branching out because we saw the likes of this, uh, we saw um, Sailor Suit Machine Gun. Uh, so these these odd titles that they're being sort of added into their sort of usual fair. Yeah,
1: import important, but not you know sort of as I said. My my initial gush was you know there are films out there which are not horror films that are not. Um, the cult or kung fu or any any of that it's just it's just a there's just good solid movies of all kinds of genres which is kind of what i'm about and and as the director you know there's five or six of his films you can get and although black test car is a bit like this but it plays more like a, a sort of spy thriller than uh than this which plays more you know more like a sort of a, a, sat- a satirical comedy um, and then Irizumi is more like an old school Japanese atmospheric horror sort of thing Um, Blind Beast as well um, you know they're, they're just films from all different genres um, and we're getting directors like, like this guy like um, the fella who um, directed Tom Popo in The Funeral like his name escapes me at the moment but yeah just it's just opening up and it's fantastic especially in a world where modern contemporary Japanese cinema is a bit meh and it's you know there's the odd one like uh Quirky we did it a few weeks ago the infinite 5 minutes one and
0: oh beyond the infinite 5 minutes and yeah, um
1: and um The zombie one about independent filmmaking. Oh, One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Uh, Dead. I
0: guess you're going to also say Summertime. um... Well,
1: Summertime Machine Blues is a bit of an older film. But yeah, the real modern contemporary last few years, Japanese cinema is just a bit naff. It's just... There are some indie films out there, but most of them are just big budget manga adaptations. Um, So to get these things from the 50s, from the 60s, from the 70s, and from the 80s, um, is brilliant. So more power to Arrow and to the others that are, that are bringing these kind of films across. And I really hope that um, people are snaffling them up and, and getting exposed to them. Snaffling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the noise when you're making the uh,
1: get <laughs> get the quality street ten. Yeah. <laughs> 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 in, when you're getting your caramels, you're snaffling. Them. <laughs> very
0: nice um, so t- this brings us uh, to, to tonight's show thank you as always for listening uh, If, uh, as always if you haven't done already please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, come say hi to us there and it's now time for the scariest part of the show as Stephen is your turn to pick what we look at on the next episode
1: Well, after you've picked so many of my choices recently, (laughs) I'm thinking, "Oh, thank you, done my job for me." I know. I think I mentioned this last week. I think you know. I think you knew this was going to come in the next few episodes. So, back to the short scope box set. It's time to watch my TP Kingman.
0: Oh wow! and the kaiju movie before kaiju christmas
1: well yeah but it's something you don't get a lot of there's only two chinese kaiju movies aren't there well um. there's this
0: and then super inframan which was exactly. their um, <laughs> attempt to take on the uh, <laughs> took a t- to casetsu, um or kaiju genre whichever way you want to look at it but yeah they it's one of the more interesting offerings from Shaw brothers who i've We've said before, they're mainly known for their Kung Fu output, but at the same time, they've done a lot of really interesting movies in there as well, like this and The Oily Maniac. So, no, I'm always down for talking about The Mighty Peking Man, uh, which is Shaw Brothers' take on King Kong. Um, so we will be looking at that on our next episode. And also, if you uh, haven't done already, please do go and vote for what we are looking at for our Halloween episode. As we have picked a selection of titles for you to go and catch your vote on with the winning film being discussed on our Halloween episode. Um, so far on our list, we've got Whispering Corridors 5. A blood pledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Hiro Nakata's Dark Water. Tokyo Gore Police. Spiral. Uh, which is a. Um, do, you, do you want.
1: Oh, Uzumaki, yeah. It's a. Um, John G. Ito. Junji um, An adaptation of John Ito's Uzumaki, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um,
0: we have Death Bell. um uh...
1: Yeah, it's a, that's a film you've been um
0: <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Um That
1: was Terracotta released that out here, didn't it? It is yes. Terracotta R-
0: Terror put that one out. So Um mm. uh, We've got I Saw the Devil, which is one of those films I keep saying I want to watch and never get around to it. So you know oh, such Maybe you're film. gonna have me watch it. <laughs> uh we have Dream Home, which is another Steven's that i I've
1: gotta watch that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, and then we have the silenced, which is a South Korean movie about uh, girls in a boarding school uh, where strange things are happening.
1: Yeah, um, it looks very stylish. It is. It's. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it. Yes, it's. Um, it's really interesting. It isn't quite the film you think it is. It, 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 you think it's going to be a bit of a picnic at Hanging Rock? Girls in a in a school period drama kind of thing and you you think it's going to be horror and ghosts and it goes somewhere else. Very entertaining but it takes a real left turn <laughs> that that I didn't expect when I saw it. But is is that is that all the, the ones up for grabs? I think it is isn't it? Is there it?
0: anything else you want to add on there Simon?
1: I don't think so. I I'm gonna be honest with you mate, I'd happily watch any of them and um. they are all going to as long as we keep going I don't see any of them that we're not going to cover at some point of time anyway, so... Yeah,
0: I mean, when it comes to, obviously, the Halloween episode, we like to... We like to pick films that aren't, you know, the usual fare that everyone sort of covers. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, we could have, like, included The Sadness, or we could have called Audition, but at the same time, everyone else is covering those. So we'd rather just, like push the boat out there. And I mean, yes, there are a couple of titles on there, like I Saw the Devil, um, maybe a Tokyo Go Please, Dark Water, that may also fall in that category. But at the same time, I haven't really had anyone talk about it recently and it'd be good to cross them off.
1: No, um, I agree. I agree. You know, I'm surprised we haven't done Dark Water. I think we've deliberately avoided we, Hideo Nakata films. I we think talked <laughs> about doing
0: Dark Water as part of another project that mm. has yet to happen. Mm. So... I, just so we can say we covered it. I yeah. put it on the list. So, but
1: we but we have avoided Hideo Nakata films. Not I don't think deliberately. I think, but I think there are things we have decided to put off because there's so much else to talk about, and we don't want to talk about the things everybody else has spoken about. You know, I think I think we both know a handful of films we could have done. Um, I don't know, like a certain very popular anime film. Oh, Legend of the Overfiend. Yeah, I know if I put
0: Legend of the Overfiend on there, everyone is gonna pound that on just because they want subjects as Legend of the Overfiend.
1: That's that's right. But yeah, no, but they're all (laughs) They
0: can't pound that button quick enough, no doubt.
1: (laughs) But no, I I hope people are excited by those choices and um and vote for the one they want to hear about. But I can guarantee you even if your film doesn't get chosen, we're gonna be talking about all them in the next couple of years. Because yeah. that's a that's a solid section of films.
0: Oh, fantastic. Um, but uh, no, we'll obviously be talking... We'll be in the midst of Hooptober or however you'd like to spend it. 31 Days of Horror. or I, There's many movie challenges. There, but Hoop, I personally will be doing Hooptober this year. Stephen, I don't think you're doing anything.
1: I, I don't have the... To... I don't have the willpower. It was Hooptober tober anyway. Hoop-tober is um, tober is Hooper films.
0: Yeah, it's the separation of Toby Hooper. Okay. But it's it's a list challenge where you have to cover one Toby Hooper movie. But every yeah. year the rules change on like what you have to make up, what makes up the list. But you right. say it falls the same category as like Thirty One Days of Halloween. So you're gonna be mm-hmm. watching Thirty One horror movies. But your list has to meet certain criterias and every year the criteria changes like you have to have a
1: movie by a black director for example i got i got you. Um, so, so, you so have it to starts like, with a toby hooper film and then there are yeah there's you've got criteria. to have like
0: you've got to hit like have movies from at least five different countries gotcha, gotcha. and it's gives you enough scope so that you can cram in all your usual favorites but at the same time pushes you to look at a few things that you may not bother to look at um, mm. like myself was like Dracula nineteen seventy four AD, I think I watched on The Last Hooptober, which I would never have watched. Um the Hammer one. It Must is be. I also yeah. watched um Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires as well. <laughs>
1: oh, you watched that last year, that was really good.
0: Which was Hammer meets yeah. uh, Shaw Brothers.
1: But in... but with Peter Cushing.
0: <laughs> yeah, Peter Cushing where every time a fight breaks out he stands to the side and it's like, You take it away, boys. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it gave us traditional vampires and hopping vampires. It was, it's yeah, uh, pretty I, wild.
1: I did find a copy of and that means nearly a year's gone by. <laughs> so you haven't watched it. <laughs> and I still haven't watched it, yeah. Oh, dear. Fantastic.
0: So, yes, if you uh, definitely go check on our social media pages and you can find the voting f- link to the voting form there. And uh, definitely cash your votes. Have your say. Get involved in the show and uh, let us know what you think we should be watching for Halloween. But until next time, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to our sponsor, yespleasevintage.com. Go uh, check out Lindsay's uh, collection of upsold uh housewares and vintage fashion great uh, selection of stuff that she's got over there at yespleasevintage.com um and thank you to Stephen.
1: pleasure as always and thank you to
0: you the listener but until next time good night
1: 昨日のこと拾わ忘れて昨日の